This is Apologetics Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. All right, this is Apologetics Live. We are live here with me. I'm Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity, and we have Matt Slick, our resident apologist here, and he is with CARM.org, C-A-R-M, that stands for Christian Apologetics Research Ministry. Go to CARM.org to get basically almost anything dealing with apologetics is out there. Uh, Before we get started too far in, I have a personal note that I just want to give uh, here, we had in our church a family who woke up at one in the morning to their house completely engulfed in flames. They basically lost everything. I know that many who are associated with Striving Fraternity uh, in the past, when we had our dear brother um, Joe Conkle, he had lost everything. And um, basically, here's another family that had the same thing just before Christmas, um, losing. Uh, everything that they had. I'm going to put a link in uh, YouTube uh, for those watching live. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for those that listen on podcast. If you can help this couple out, um, Annie, who is is the wife, uh, is been just very discouraged over this. Had a lot of been dealing with a lot of tragedy in 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 their lives, and this has just been kind of devastating, uh, losing everything um, this way. So, if there's any way that you guys could give an outpouring of help and encouragement to them, uh, it would be appreciated. Um, and, uh, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I mean, this is what we do. We take care of our own. We look to help one another out. And I know that folks did that in a big way for Joe Conkle. Um, also I, I would say this has motivated me in my podcast, the rap report to deal with preparing for tragedy. So the daily, uh, I've been dealing with it in the two minute dailies all week. And, and this Sunday, I will actually have Joe Conkle, who went through this four years ago. He'll be on so that we could discuss with him uh, what has gone on, how he dealt with it. Uh, Joe had a great attitude about it. He was sharing the gospel with every onlooker. Here's his house on fire, Matt. And then Joe was sharing the gospel. Reporters are coming. And the, and the reporter actually posted that they couldn't believe this guy here here he is his house is on fire they're 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 putting it out and he's in his pajamas like the the sunday before christmas four years ago and and he's just looking to share the gospel with people he was happy because he was sharing the gospel (laughs) just a great attitude i i I wish that i could have such an attitude if something like that was happening to me well you know i can come out to your place and arrange a few things if you want Hey, you, you had your chance. I even gave you a chance to buy me dinner two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, granted, I wanted you to buy it not just for me, but for the, you know, 120 people that came to my daughter's wedding. But yeah, it was a good wedding, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was. It was good. We really enjoyed it. Um, have I, I've been back since the wedding, right? Yeah, I think so. We, I can't even remember. Mentally now. Or- yeah, I don't know. Mentally, I've never been here. No, that's so- for sure. So this is going to be an open hangout for folks who want to join. You can go to apologeticslive.com. We put the link there. If you're watching on that page, refresh and the link. We, we always have to put the link live just before we go live, just the way that the Google Hangouts work. But 
hopefully Matt in a few weeks will be on a completely different platform. It'll be a, a set link, same link every week. We won't have to do that. Um, I finally got a new computer and I know Matt, it is your favorite. It is a Mac. I know you love them. Macs are okay. okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, there, there's a reason you and I, I, I know why you don't like Macs. It's the same reason I kind of like PCs. You're a computer tech in, in, in your, in your past. Yeah. What do you like about your computer that you can't do with a Mac? I can fix it. <laughs> you can rip it apart, put new hard disks in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What happened here? Uh, you know, I had this system here for a few years and uh, a week or so ago, the hard, the uh, data drive, I have a C drive for the main, when you put your program on and a D drive for the data and the D drive crashed and it happens, you know, uh, my machines are on all the time. I don't turn them off. And, um, it crashed. So, hey, okay. I just put a new drive in and I said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'll take another drive I've got. I might as well rebuild the system. So I built, rebuilt the entire system, put a new uh, a video card in, put a, um, that someone sent me and put in a different drive back up and running on a, on a Mac. Oh, no, you got to go take it down to the shop and then you got to wait and then they got to fix it. And they charge you $8 million, you know, just the basics. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I did. And yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you know myself. You know what, Matt? We have back in in Apologex Live Facebook group. We have another woman bishop. I, it, this actually looks like the same woman who is prophetess. Uh, that that was upset. You know, she was. Uh, people were wow. sharing her videos where she was claiming to be a prophetess, and uh, she's again trying to encourage people with as that she being a bishop. You have any issues you think with that? Yeah, the bishop must be the uh, husband of one wife, a man of one woman. That's what the, the requirement is for a episcopal bishop. So, oops, she can't do it. She's wrong. Next. Yeah, well, uh, second to, or First Timothy 2, 12 and following, speaks about whether women can be in a teaching role over men in the church and whether oh, or geez. not they can be pastors. What does that say? Bishop Sandra Russ, huh? Wow, look at that. Uh, restoration, ministry, souls. After careful consideration, pondering on what day would be best, I will be live tomorrow, which is Thursday, for the beginning of Sandra Russ Ministries. See, I don't even like Matt Slick live for a radio show. I don't like my name as, hey, Matt Slick. You know, I always had a problem with that. But I understand you got to market your name. But, you know, geez. All right, so let's let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, the overseer. Um. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's get to the pastoral epistles. Here we go. So it's a trustworthy. This is First Timothy three. The man aspires to the office of overseer. That's the word episkopos, which is what we get the word bishop from. It's a fine work he desires to do. An overseer must then be above reproach. The husband of one wife, and literally, it's aner. Mias Gunaikas. Uh, and so it is, that means is a man of one woman. Okay. So if she were on the show, I'd say here right now, I'd say, so how are you a man of one woman? And and to me, you know, maybe my Asperger's comes in to come to the rescue at things like times like this. I just say, uh, we're done. That's what it says. You're wrong. And people think, you know, you're, you're arrogant. Uh, no, it's that it, you, you can't be that because the Bible says, no, it says you must be a man. Well, you know, that's what it says. I don't understand why people have to argue with it. It's what it says. So, 
let's move along, you know, next. She should not be calling herself a bishop, which demonstrates that she does not understand what she is doing. Yep. And I, I really think that this is the where we see the first kind of downfall in the church. You know, we started with women preaching and people were saying, well, come on, a woman can teach too. They have, they have things that they know. And, and we've seen this slow and sometimes not so slow uh, downfall to where now, yep. you know, we're, we're now saying, can, can homosexuals be pastors and can, I don't know if, Matt, I don't know if, if you even saw this. Can video. dispensationalists be pastors? It's really going bad. Well, that's where you, you'll be a dispensationalist in heaven. It's okay. That's never going to happen. I believe the Bible. Have you seen the video of this guy that's trying to argue that Jesus is polyamorous? I heard about that. What yeah. a moron. I I did a uh, rap report podcast on that. And I mean, the, the hermeneutics, horrible, um, really, really bad. His whole argumentation, he uses one verse out of context, of course. But what's the verse where John laid his, his head? No, on his... no. The, 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 his verse, his argument is this. Many people claim they have a personal relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 5 is the only verse he went to. And he said, here you see that the church, that Jesus is married to the church. Therefore, Jesus was polyamorous. He has many personal relationships and he's married to the church. Then I would go to him and say, define polyamorous. Many loves is how he defined it. Well, then I'm polyamorous too, because I have three cats I love. Yeah, I mean, it, now a computer. Okay. So let's deal with this. You're immediately going to son that people who watch you do see you do all the time. So let's help people understand why you do what you do. You immediately went to a definition. Why? Definitions are necessary because without definitions, you're going to talk past each other. A lot of people will say things that are really dumb, but you know what we're going to do is say, well, what, what's your definition of something, and then you can get into the issue of whether it's smart or not or what. So, you know, if a guy like that's going to come on here to the show, let's say, and he were to say, well, you know, I'm going to um, teach that Jesus is polyamorous. Well, what do you mean by polyamorous? Well, it, it defined in such a loose way, a, a loving relationship with many people. Well, then that means moms, anybody is, unless you just happen to be isolated on an island. It, so the definition is so loose that it really doesn't qualify for anything. It doesn't do anything any good. So what he's trying to do is there's a word, you know, I don't know, do not know the logic fallacy is of it, but it the word here he's being technical in one area and transferring it to it's, this meaning and the, then saying it's broad. the fallacy of equivocation. Yeah, yeah, but there's more to it. But yeah, equivocation is is certainly that he's not being clear. But yeah, I think it's probably the closest one. But well, he's, the, he, he uses the word relationship two different ways. I mean, polyamorous yeah, sexual relations, and yep. That's not what anyone is claiming. They have a sexual relation. Right. So he's uh, just being lame. Yeah. I mean, and Craig, how many, how many, when, when we see uh, that passage in Ephesians where Christ is married to the church, how many churches is he married to? One. So it's not polyamorous, is it? Yeah, he's one church, one bride. Um, but oh no, it's many, many people. You know, I can say what they're saying, what this guy's saying, but it's just a, another way to uh, just assist the devil in spreading deception. That's all it is. I thought you were gonna be quiet, hon. Oh, we should bring her on. 
Um, much better you know, looking than you. I do this, you know. Nico, she goes, "Hey, I'll be quiet." And she's over there with papers. <laughs> so now I just made a run, <laughs> put the camera on her. Well, you know, you and I like to get ourselves in trouble. I, I should get myself in trouble. She's my bride is in the other room, and it is her birthday. I'm be bad. I'm oh, here. good. How old is she? Thirty-two. She is twenty-five. Oh, okay. I was thinking. Oh, okay. I'm not saying how many anniversaries of twenty-five. I mean, we do have a twenty you know, three-year-old son. So, <laughs> and my daughter just got married. So. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring a uh, cat in. She was in here and folks, again, if you want to, if you want to join, you can, I put the link in YouTube, but in the comments, you want to join, just go to apologetics live and just go well, to apologetics. No says. Yeah. Ahead. See, she, she came, she came in. She said, I, I enjoy hanging out here. Ladies need representation. <laughs> I guess she feels that there's too many guys on this show. <laughs> oh, I, could, I was going to say, well, then there you are, Andrew. You can help her out. <laughs> but it was, it was not even good enough. If I, if I have to explain it and re-say it, then it, it kind of works. But it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was bad. But at least we can insult each other. Yeah. That's right. So, so Kat, I don't know if you do have any questions, but you can, un, you can unmute if you do. And, you know, um, and folks, if there's anyone who wants to come in, go to apologeticslive.com. The link to join is there. And yeah. I don't know, Matt, I think you've scared everybody off. I, I'm a scary person, aren't I? Aren't I, hon? She's nodding her head. Maybe I should turn the camera on her and she can wave. <laughs> Bad idea right now. <laughs> I think I think if you did that, it, I would like to see it because, you know, we've been we've been praying for your wife's health. And it's always people good been, to see when she's I'm, I'm repeating what, what Andrew's saying. He's saying people have been praying for your health, hon. Okay, go ahead. And that uh, it would be good to see her smack you to know that doing well. <laughs> it'd be good to see, for people to see you smack me to know how good you're doing. <laughs> you can come over and hit me upside the head if you want. Yeah, we'll just see her arm. That, that, that'd that be yeah, enough. All, yeah, all you got to do is see the arm, okay, Neek? <laughs> she doesn't even want to do that. Wow. She knows you'll turn oh, the she, camera. <laughs> she would jump at the opportunity to whack me upside the head. Yeah. Now, Cat should come to to your wife's defense here, and and <laughs> as as the female representation. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get her on the radio, but uh, do stuff on child rearing. She's actually really good in the radio too. She has a great radio voice, also. Yeah, but she also has a better face for TV. Oh yeah, she's very photogenic, and this is what I have. I'm stuck with this. I mean, why did she marry me? Oh, I know why she married me because I ruined her. That's what she said. R ruin. She, she married you for rewards in heaven. And she no, I ruined her. No, no, no. It was, she actually said it was ruining. She got ruined because we went out and I was so obnoxious and irritating and slightly humorous all mixed in that it confused the bejeebers out of her. And then whenever she would go out with anybody else, they were polite and normal. They were boring. And she said that one day she's out with a really good looking guy lots of money and everything. And, and she's like, Oh no, he's boring. And I'm thinking of Matt, you know, <laughs> and uh, what would Matt be doing instead of taking her to a nice restaurant with flowers in a Porsche or something like that? I'd be like, can I pick up in my Rambler cars got no air conditioning and we can go down to the beach and walk on it there. And then we can scrape change together and get a chocolate shake and throw things at seagulls. <laughs> she, that's what she would like to do instead of the other stuff. So I, that's how you win women. Well, Kat, Kat, thinks that Kat is in agreement. She thinks that uh, your wife should come over and smack you. But she okay. People are wanting you to come over and smack me upside the head, honey. <laughs> so, 
She's, you, uh, look, you can see the camera. You can see how close, just your arm. You can see it's right here. The camera's only right here. I'm not going to do any switch. Look, this is a, this is how the, the border right here. This is the border right here. <laughs> She's coming. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. She won't trust me if I turn the camera. So I'm not going to trust the camera. I'm not, not going to turn anything. Okay. She's got her pink robe on. See, look right here. See, see my hand is right here at the border. border. You're, ow! <laughs> oh, that wasn't a hard smack. It wasn't hard enough. It was not very hard, hard, but hard. Uh, she's smiling. <laughs> she is totally smiling. You want to do it again, hon, up from the Kat, backside? Cat says, yes, go wifey. <laughs> yeah, upside the back, you know, backside of the head. Oh, not with that thing. She's got a big weapon in her hand now. Where are you going? Was it something I said? So, so you actually, you actually wrote a book about, uh, dating, how to woo and win women by being an obnoxious jerk. And, um, I'm an expert at it. The obnoxious jerk part. Oh yeah. 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 Women have, see, I know how it works. Women do not know, um, what to do when a man has the secret, uh, down and I have the secret, um, by the formula, it's easy. The secret is that, uh, if you can be just a little bit, uh, obnoxious, and irritating and a little bit of a jerk all mixed in while you activate the mothering instinct gene and you work with the bewilder filter that women have, then, uh, they, they, it, it's over just a matter of time before they say yes. When you propose, <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm serious. Sure. They have no, they have no, it doesn't work. They, they can say they don't like it. They can say they resist it. But it's just not true. I'm I'm liking Cat. She's she really should unmute and and say what she's been saying in chat. Yeah. She said that that Neek should go grab a frying pan. I don't think she should just grab a frying. I mean, it should be a cast iron frying. She pan. she's not strong enough because of her her hand issue. She's not strong enough to uh, uh to hit me upside the head with a frying pan. Mm. It's a but look, you know, so the book the book has titles like uh, regarding oh, the world of women. What Cat well, was saying, son. What are you saying? Oh about? no, it was not important. Go I said it. it's a gentle love tap. Whack, right upside the back of your head. She oh yeah, she likes she's hit me all the time on the arm and the shoulder. Once I, I go, that's it, that's all you got. She hits me again harder and she hurt herself. So yeah. She's awesome. I like her. She's a good woman. <laughs> but she is going through a lot of pain and suffering right now. And uh, so that's what it is. Definitely in our prayers though, for sure. Yeah, she needs it. All right, so uh, I got something we could talk about, something that's been on my mind a lot lately. And what I have done already today is, uh, or since the past half hour has gone to, is Roman Catholicism true on Facebook? And um, let me refresh it. I put up a post saying, hey, we're going to be here right now if anybody wants to come in and talk. And, and so before and, uh, getting to that, let, let me just say, because you and I talked about this beforehand, you had several people, Roman Catholics, challenging mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm accusing you of dodging debates of running away from Roman Catholics. Uh -huh. We have made it very clear. This platform is set up for mm -hmm. questions where tonight's an open mm -hmm. question, any, any topic, but this is also set up for debates. We've made it yeah. clear to them we, every Thursday night, they could come in. We'll set up a formal debate and we can have it. Uh, I haven't been contacted by any of them. Have you? No, uh, I don't think they're going to uh, ever because um, 
you know, the only the only ones who are going to halfway consider such a challenge would be um, those who know some scripture and know how to twist scripture. And, uh, you know, some people have been emailing me saying, hey, you need to arrange debates with the top Cal you know, Catholic apologists. I'm like, hey, brother, uh, you're not arranging anything except trying to move to another state here pretty soon. But, um, you know, if they, you know, if some Catholic wants to debate me, it's fine. We can do a formal arrangement and things like that. So we can get to a church and have a narrowed topic and actually do it. You know, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. But um, it would have to be based on, on God's word, not on their so-called sacred tradition or their vacuous uh, eisegetical methodologies for making the Bible say what they want it to say. But um, I've learned a lot in the past few years. I've been discussed with a lot of them. And I'd be more than willing to have a, a serious, uh, filmed, moderated debate. Soteriology would be good. Mary, oh, I'd love to do Mariolatry. Oh man, would I like to talk about Mary? But no one, what what Catholic would want to debate Mary? Because uh, out of the Bible, they can't do that, unless they want to. Uh, what I would do if they did, let's just say hypothetically, that a Catholic Roman Catholic uh, priest or apologist wanted to actually debate me formally, you know, in a setting at a church, whatever it is. And uh, we could film it the whole bit. I would show up with a, a, a directional microphone and a recording device. And um, I would aim it at uh, my opponent. And then we'd be having debates. You know, maybe sometime you might say, well, what's that for? Well, you know, I, I want to pick up the ripping sounds when you quote scriptures and uh, the ripping out of context. I want to see if anybody else can hear that. Um, so, you know, because they're not going to they're not going to really take the word of God for what it actually says. They're going to drive truckloads of heresy through their, their false doctrines. That's what they're going to do. Hey, look at this. Maybe, Oh, people are responding. Oh, check this out. <laughs> so I did a little something since, since we've been talking uh, on is Roman Catholicism true. Uh, I, I typed in 25 minutes ago. Hey, doing a live talk on Google Hangouts. If you want to talk about the Catholic faith and I put the link right there. Um, and uh, then I wrote eight minutes ago, uh, Catholics, anyone want to come in and talk? Then, then uh, another one. And then two minutes ago, Catholics, anyone? Uh, so nobody. And then what I did was I wrote, just a test it. I wrote Roman Catholicism is false. And then the responses are coming in. <laughs> yeah. So you look, Oh, well, someone said, amen. And one said, sure is. Okay. So that's that, an agreement. So uh, anyway, uh, okay. Maybe the Roman Catholics aren't going to want to debate here anymore. I think they're getting their their uh, their theological rears handed back to them by a lot of well, people. You were about to to start with something that you've been thinking about. So let's let's go oh, through. Yeah. That. Now we have a Andrew came in. I don't know. Uh, I know he was here before, but I can't remember. I think he was the. I think he's from Australia, if I remember Andrew. correctly. But I can't yeah, remember his background. So I'll just have him, have him say something and yeah, then we'll know. <laughs> well, why don't you, why don't you start with what you were going to say about Roman Catholicism and then we'll bring oh, him in. It's bad. Looking for my water. I had water. I left. I forgot my water. Darn it. Uh, let's see what Hayes got to say. Cause what I want to say is something uh, else. Not really. Well, I can try that. Let's see. I just added him into broadcast. Let's see if I can unmute his mic here. There we go. There you go. All, All right, right, Andrew. You needed to be added into the broadcast. Yeah, no, that's okay. I just thought I'd turn up and see what happened. I was uh, delaying, uh, actually enjoying a watermelon, uh, uh, well, 
rock melon, I should say, and getting a coffee. So sorting out life before I sit down. <laughs> Good. Good. So are you going to say um, something? I'm, I'm here to learn in as much. Uh, don't have any questions off the top of my head. Are you a Christian or what? I forgot. Sorry. Yes, I am. Yes, okay. I came in two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, you, I would have come in last week, but it was Thanksgiving for you guys. We don't have Thanksgiving, so <laughs> kind of simply clears that one up. Um, you guys aren't thankful for anything, huh? Say that again? You guys aren't thankful for anything, huh? Oh, we're thankful. We just don't have it as a holiday. Do you have a 4th of July? No. Yeah, sure you do. It goes right after the third. <laughs> we have a fourth of July. We do, but oh, when we, have your, when we have what is your fourth of July? It's twenty sixth of January, <laughs> which is okay. a Friday day. All right, <laughs> and, well, good, and we get that off. <laughs> that being uh, that being the day that Australia was settled. Oh, really? I didn't but know that. Anyway. Okay. How old is Australia? Uh, 200 years, okay. somewhere around there. Federation was 1901. Okay, so your, uh, so your ancestors were all criminals, is that it? You're from you Bad betcha. Okay. <laughs> you betcha. Sc Scottish and English. <laughs> yeah, mine, um, uh, mine were lawyers, my answers, from Germany, apparently. So they were criminals, too? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Any relation to Martin Luther? He was ah, to be I'm aware of that was my last name Slick, which came from the German Schlichting. So I don't know, but uh, so who, I go back so to man, Germany sometime. I, I yeah. wanted to ask you about this. You're talking about your last name. Who was the first Slick? I know it was it was Schlichting was the last <laughs> name, but when did it change to my Slick? Dad. It was your dad. Yeah, because he had a brother, older brother, and my uncle, and uh, his name was Schlichting. And then, but Schlichting is too hard to say for a lot of people. They say, "Hey, Slick." It just became a nickname. So literally. Um, my, my dad's older brother was Schlichting. And then when my dad was born, uh, the doctor said, what's the last name? She goes slick. And that's how we got it. <laughs> that's kind of convenient. <laughs> so, so basically you and your brothers are the only slicks. Well, and, and the no, there are other slicks in the country. In fact, uh, get this. Um, I was coming out of a gym in Southern California one day. And uh, this, uh, I went by the, I had to go out this exit and there were the offices and I saw a name tag on the office and it was someone, a girl's name, last name Slick. And wow. So I, I, you know, knock on her door and she opened it and she happened to be absolutely gorgeous. And uh, I think that played a, a bit of the, of the, how our dialogue went. She was just a bombshell. And, uh, and so I thought she saw, thought that I might've been coming on her, but I wasn't, you know, I said, I said, look, you know, I could see she was distant. She'd always had guys coming on her all the time. Um, and I said, look, no, what's your last name is slick. And I said, my name is slick. And I said, I go, that's, it's very unusual. And she said, really? And I said, yeah, mine came from schlick teen. And she said, so did mine. And I said, really? She goes, but we can't be related because, uh, my uncle or my grandfather, blah, 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 was in. Indiana, I thought, was it Iowa or Indiana? Uh, and that's where he came from. I said, oh, okay, well, mine, or Southern California. I said, okay, let's see you, bye. Last time we, I ever talked to her. I went home and told my mom and dad about it like a week or two later. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We were, 
we were in Indiana first and then came to Southern California. Oh, wow. So you so, may have been, you may have been related to them. May have been related to her. Yeah. What's that? Uh, well, there was someone on a phone. Let me, uh, I can, I can add him in, but yeah, but she had blonde hair and my brother, I have two brothers and one of them blonde hair, blue eyed. So it makes sense that uh, probably we're related, you know, like third cousins removed or something like that, but whatever. So I brought Edison in, uh, although keep Edison, talking, we'll get some water while I'm talking. Yeah. Only you, but keep talking. I can, I can hear you. You have, you have some questions. Sure. Uh, uh, we've got some noise. Uh, yes, sir. Hi. He's got, he's Hi. got a little child in the, yeah, uh, my, <laughs> my baby is very noisy. Okay. If I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, hello? Edison, you're from, uh, Philippines, correct? Uh, yes, sir. For, I'm, I'm from the Philippines. Yeah. Right, so you have a question for Matt tonight. And, yeah. I'm, by the way, yeah, I'm from Cebu, Philippines. And um, it's always nice to... Um, I'm always happy for you guys, your ministry. Good. Especially Matt. I always watch his um, live Facebook. Oh, good. I'm glad I you don't, do. We don't have a... Yeah. Uh, we don't have a 1-800 number here, so I can't call in. <laughs> Uh, but I just watch, and it's very nice to uh, see you all busy every day. You always engage with public people, discussing about theological issues. I do have a question, though. Um, I have two questions. Okay. It's with regards to a verse in First Peter, Second uh, Peter, chapter two, verse one. Okay, I can't. Um, I can tell you that I won't be able to concentrate with um lots of high-pitched sounds behind me because i have a hearing problem and I, I don't process that very well i'm sorry but i won't be able to for very long yeah yeah i'm, I'm sorry but yeah i, I have I a question well with, with regards i'm serious I, okay I'm... okay hold on i'm gonna have to do... all right so one of the things folks may not realize let me take him off here um oh I, uh, the, the thing it with Matt's hearing is, uh, high pitch noises do well. So, uh, Edison, if, if, if you can keep the kids like out, um, or yeah. if not, we could type the question in. I know you were reading off the phone, yeah. so I'll bring you back up in volume. Yeah. He's already on the other room. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, can you hear me clearly now? Yeah, so so ask ask your question, then then mute your phone, and that way uh, that that might help with it. You can still hear him. Yeah. All right. Uh, my question is on Second Peter chapter two verse one. Second Peter two. Second Peter one. chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know about it. Yeah. Um, it's with regards to actually two issues that are brought up in this issue question. Uh, that would be. The perseverance of the saints and the limited atonement. Yeah. Because it says here, um, there are false teachers that denies the Lord who bought them. Yes. So my question is that, um, will the Lord bought, including false teachers? And what about if you are genuinely being bought or included with a particular redemption? Um, is it possible to become a false teacher? Because as I've understood correctly, in the light of the perseverance of the saints, those who are genuinely being bought or the elect that are 
already saved, um, they will persevere if they are genuine. So I'd like to hear your comment about that verse sure, in no uh, Second Peter chapter two. Thank you. Sure. Um, mute you so that I can focus. Sorry, I do have a hearing problem, and uh, I can't process. I have autism, and I can't process too many sounds at once, particularly when they're high. Uh, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be also false prophets among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Uh, so false prophets arose among the people. What people is he talking about? So if you read the context, uh, we had the prophetic word made sure, and uh, but no, uh, this uh, no prophecies of scriptures of one's own private interpretation, etc. Move, people move by the Holy Spirit, but false prophets rose among them. So what he's probably talking about is the issue of the Old Testament, and because it talks about the issue of the holy mountain in verse 18, and uh, holy mountain has allusions to the Old Testament, some other stuff, but nevertheless. If you were to look at First uh, Peter and Second Peter, what you'll see is uh, that Peter was addressing the twelve tribes of Israel. That's First Peter one one, and uh, also in Second in, uh, Peter uh, one one also. In both epistles, Peter refers to the Old Testament many times. Uh, I don't even know how many times, but over and over and over and over. I mean, First Peter, I have a list here: uh, verses oh, chapter one, verses twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five; chapter two, verses six, seven, eight, nine; uh, two, twenty-four, three chapter uh, verses eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and it goes on. And so there's lots of verses uh, of the Old Testament references. So it looks, in my opinion, what I think is going on here is that what he's doing is referencing the same kind of being bought as was spoken of in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 32.6, Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he our Father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. So Moses was talking there, and he's addressing the rebellious Israelites who are turning away from God. Is he not the Father who has bought you? And, and they were purchased out of Egypt. And yet there are people who are still buying, still re, uh, rejecting him. So I think what's going on is that because of so many Old Testament allusions, the phraseology, rejecting the Lord who bought you, I think it would have been understood that what he's referring to was this idea of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, being uh, freed, being purchased, and yet they're rejecting God. It doesn't mean that everybody was saved because they were bought in a different sense of being saved uh, than being redeemed and um, uh, in that sense. So that's that's how I look at it. It makes sense to say that Peter's referring to the Jewish uh, people being freed from Egypt, and he's not talking about being born again specifically, but about uh, being bought in that same sense they were. And we have unbelievers there, the Jews, 12 tribes of Israel, who were rejecting uh, the Messiah, rejecting Christ. You're denying the one who bought you. And uh, the freedom of the Jews and everything else that had come. That's what I think. Yeah, that, that's actually nice. I'll take note of the verses because um, some of my friends are um, asking me regarding that question. I do have one more question, though, if, if, if it's okay. If you want, I can prove to I can give you verses to prove eternal security. Mm. It's up to you. All Always right. Do it. Uh-huh. Are you interested? Yeah. Or yes? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me do this. What I'm going to do is share my screen so if you see my screen you'll see my bible program okay 
And what I'm going to do is go here and go to Colossians 2.13 for one thing. And it's right there. Uh, you are dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's made, uh, made you alive together, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So let me ask you. Um, you can type it in. I know you got your mute because your kids and stuff. But uh, well, let me just tell you: uh, cancel the certificate of debt. The word certificate of debt. Let me show you this in uh, Greek. Okay. The word certificate of debt here is a single Greek word. See this certificate of debt. Let me make this bigger. I don't know if you guys can see it very well. Oh, how do you do this with the new? A new version. I'm on eight now, and I used to you see that? the way to do it. Let me uh, keep you on screen so I can see. But if you go to the on the far right, got it. Right, yep. Okay. They, they moved that on us. All right. Now you're gone. Thanks a lot. So, um, certificate of debt. See how it says uh, here, certificate of debt, and what that is a secret single Greek word, kerographon. See, kerographon, and so. What it means, we click on this, go down here. It's a handwritten record of debt, a note written by the hand, which makes one obligated to fulfill what is written. And you can see this is what the word kerographon means. And it's the only place in the entire Bible it's used right there. So what is it that's canceled? Okay, what is it that is canceled there? Well, we look at this, uh, we know that the certificate of debt is canceled at the cross, having nailed it to the cross. That's when it's debt. Now, it could be two things that are talked about here, the law, or it can be our sin debt. Because in um, Luke 11, 4, uh, and forgive us our sins. Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our sins. That's the Greek word, hermartia. Hermartia, like from hermartias, but it's from hermartia, okay, which means sin. And uh, Matthew 6, what was it? Matthew 6, 6, 4. Oh, where was that, Matthew? I do this all the time. Here we go. Uh, forgive us our debts, 612, that's right. See, and he says, uh, will be done. Give us a state of daily bread and forgive us our debts. And that is the word ophilima, right? From a, or ophilima, which means legal debt. Okay, so what I'm showing you here is that when we, uh, we look at this certificate of debt, a handwritten IOU of legal indebtedness, a record of debt, handwritten, okay, and what we have here, this word, care, this word right here, care, ouch, K, it's a key, E-I-R, that's what that is right there, it means hand and graphe, writing, carographon, handwriting. And so it's a legal handwriting debt. Okay, I've just given some background. So you ask them, when did he cancel the certificate of debt? They're going to have to say at the cross. And here's the thing, it's not when you believe. The certificate of debt is not canceled when you believe. It's canceled at the cross. Whoa. If it's a sin debt, then who's it canceled for? It has to be canceled for the people. It can't be for everybody because you can't go to hell for a sin debt that's canceled. If it's, you don't have a sin debt, you can't, go to, you can't go to hell. People then say to me, well, Matt, you still have to accept it. I said, no, you don't. You have to accept it or not accept it. If the sin debt doesn't isn't there, whether you accept it or not, you can't go to hell. No, you got to believe. No, you don't have to believe. The sin debt's not there. It doesn't matter if you believe or not. 
you just can't go to hell because there's no sin to be held against you. See the problem. Well, this what this means is the sin debt, having nailed it to the cross, all right? If you nail it to the cross and it's canceled, then it cannot be that you can lose your salvation because he canceled the sin debt. If by some chance he cancels your sin debt, did he cancel all of it or only part of it? If it's all of it, eternal security is necessary. If they say he only canceled part of it, then how can you be saved without all your sins being canceled? It doesn't make any sense. It's a long way around, but I explained more than what you needed to know for this, but that, that's a very powerful verse for eternal security. Colossians 2.14. Did you understand that? Yeah. Actually, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And here's another one. John 6.37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Well, who's given to the Father? Well, they're going to say the ones that uh, choose. So God chooses um, to, uh, God gives one to Jesus whom he chooses. And, uh, you know, in the context of eternal security, I'm not going to argue that right now. Uh, and the one who comes to him, I certainly will not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. This is the will of the Father, that everyone who beholds the Son, that means comes, becomes a believer, and believes in him, will have eternal life, and I'll, I will raise him up on the last day. So the will of the Father is here. The will of the Father, will of him who sent me, all that he's given me, right here, okay? Uh, everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him, right? Lose nothing, raise him up, right? Raise him up on the last day, raise him up on the last day. So essentially what we have is eternal life is equivalent to not being lost. But anyway, the point is Jesus can't lose any because if he loses some, then he's failed to do the will of the Father. So you ask your, your people, your friends, go to John six thirty nine and 40, mainly is where it's at. Can he lose them? And they'll have to say, well, no, because if he lost them, he failed to do the will of the Father. And you, then that would mean Jesus yes. sinned. Now, what are they going to do at that point? They're going to have a problem. What the only response is, I've heard is, well, they can lose themselves. Jesus wasn't losing them. They lost themselves. And then, um, you know, you say, oh, so uh, that's not what it says. It says that Jesus will lose none because they've been given by the Father to Jesus. That means whoever believes, from your perspective, from whoever's been given, he can't lose. Even if they were to unbelieve, then they would be lost, right? Yes, you're stuck. Okay, it helps. Yes, uh, yeah, that really helps. Um, it it clarifies to me the um, the benefits of uh, the atonement of Christ, what he did on the cross. Uh, he that he actually accomplished things. He did not make salvation available, but he actually saved and secures the elect. The very That's right. Exactly correct. He did that because uh, God doesn't make any mistakes. When he gave to the son, the father gave to the son, it's because of the ones that he chose to give to the, uh, the um, son. And it says in Ephesians 1, 4, it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in him, before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as, as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. 
a lot of people, what they want to do is, is get the scripture to say that God is predestining people and giving them to Christ only if he sees that they're going to believe in him. And what they're absolutely doing is uh, putting human philosophy into the biblical situation and then interpreting the Bible in light of that. But nevertheless, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And I can get into the stuff about in him, what that means. But, yeah, it, it, you know, and then once people say that they can lose their salvation, I said, OK, what do you got to do to keep it? Just give me a list. And then it's works righteousness. So. So do you like Balut? And Edison, do you like Balut? <clears throat> he looks like he's frozen now. Not sure if his screen. Uh, hello. Yeah, I'm sorry. Turn <laughs> out. Yeah, but uh, can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me clearly? Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you if you like Balut. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it depends though. It depends. Okay. There are actually bad balutes, and uh, there are good ones. Yeah. Oh, I don't know of any good one, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, so, um, go ahead. anyway, uh, I have, I have one last question, if you don't mind, sure. and um, I'll just leave. I won't interrupt you with your comments, and uh, I'll just All leave right. it with that. I have. Yeah, that would be Hebrews chapter two verse nine. Hebrews two nine. Um, they love to quote. Yeah, I believe that was two nine when it says here, he he died for everyone or he tastes death for everyone. I've already made some response to that, but I'd like to hear what you what your comment on that. Hebrews chapter sure. two verse nine. I'm not sure what to do with that. He tasted death for everyone because I don't know what it means to taste death. I don't know what that means. Uh, and if I were to debate with someone, he says, look, this is, this means he, you know, right here is proof that he died for everybody. He tasted death for everybody. I'd say, well, what does it mean yeah. to taste death for everybody? You know, what, what does it mean? <laughs> and I, but because of that, I can't tell you. And the Greek word there is, uh, gusete, uh, And, um, you know, it, it means to cause, to taste, to taste something. To eat, partake. So he tasted it for everyone. I don't understand what it means. So I can't answer the question. Yeah. I can't tell you what it means. That's my honest response. I just don't know what it means. I yeah. have some insight on the tasting, Matt. Okay, sure. Yeah, that mm -hmm. uh, taste is also used in uh, describing Jesus on the cross when they offered him the sponge. And uh, he wouldn't drink it, okay? He wouldn't taste it. He wouldn't ingest it. But it says they put it up for him to taste. And it doesn't necessarily carry the meaning. In fact, it probably doesn't carry the meaning anywhere you look at it of ingesting something, taking it in. Right. Im imbibing of it or partaking of it yeah. in that sense. So the word taste needs to be defined within its use in context there. Oh, yeah. But also the word might in the sense of how it's being used is a uh, uh, heiress middle subjunctive. And I do not know this stuff. I'd have to go to a, uh, a Greek manual and look at the actual analysis of that word in that verse, because sometimes the way the subjunctive works is stronger 
or weaker, depending on a few things. It gets complicated. This is one of the things I started hating about Greek when I was in seminary. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, you got to know every single detail, but every single sub detail. Oh. But it's worth looking at at that point to see uh, what do you do when you have an aorist middle subjunctive uh, that precedes the word taste? Does it occur anywhere else? And then we would look and see how if there's a pattern. That's for Greek scholars. But uh, mm. I don't know what it means because I don't know what it means to taste death. Yeah, well, our Armenian friends would love to focus on the everyone part, not the taste part. <laughs> sure. I'd say, yeah, he did. He tasted death for everyone because that's what it says. And I say, now you tell me what it means. Yeah. What are they going to yeah. tell you? <laughs> I know. Well, you know, just what does it mean? And if you don't know yeah. what it means, then, then if you don't know what it means, then how do you know it's against Calvinism? Yeah. And, I mean, the, you, the, yeah. the meaning itself. Yeah, I would. Well, anyway, they they would uh, admit that uh, the unbelievers will not partake the blessings of the atonement or the blessings of redemption. So, in that point, they're already admitting that the effect and the blessings and the privilege of the atonement is limited, limited to those who believe, and no one can believe unless they're drawn by the Father. And the benefits are limited. But but what they're actually saying is that Jesus actually paid their sin on the cross and sin is a legal debt. And so what they're saying is Jesus paid that debt and they still go to hell for a debt that's been paid by Jesus. Actually, that's yeah. not right. It's, yeah. it, defi- it, it, it defines the meaning. Uh, it redefines the meaning of atonement. <clears throat> yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. They have to do that well, a lot. Yeah. Let me ask you, they what city are you in the Philippines? What city? I'm going to look it up on maps. I'm just curious. Ah, Cebu. Oh, Cebu. Cebu city. Oh, Cebu, Philippines. Yeah. Okay. All right, <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Yeah. I was in uh, a small I Cebu, um, island. I was told that Cebu is one of the more beautiful parts of the Philippines. So I was told that I could look forward to going there. And I'm only going to be there for, I think, three days. But uh, you go, you're oh. going. Yeah, I'll be a week in Manila and then three days in Cebu. Yeah, there are good places here in Cebu. A lot of mm-hmm. there are yeah. nice people here in, in Cebu, but it's not a a, a, a prime a premier tourist destination though. Most of the tourists would go to Boracay, but if you want to meet lots of people, yeah, Cebu is one of the best ones. Good. Yeah, I'm trying to see where we went, but uh, we went to Takloban, I think. I, uh, but I can't remember some of the names. It doesn't matter. We've gotten a plane, went from island to island. But hey, it's okay. Well, good, man. Yeah. I'm looking at Cebu right now on, a, on it. All right. Um, so I guess questions for, uh, for today. You're breaking up there now, Edison. Sorry. All right, so we had someone from uh, from Australia, someone from the Philippines. We'll see. We're going to bring Philip up next. He'll know where he's going to be from. But before we do, Matt, we should, yeah. we should talk about our sponsor, My Pillow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Great, great pillow. We, we have actually had a number of our listeners who went out and went and purchased it and were very happy. They weren't sure whether you and I were just doing hype because they're sponsors of ours. <laughs> 
and no. said, you weren't lying. They really are good pillows. They are. They're good pillows. <laughs> they, oh. They're great pillows. I love them. And, uh, you know, for folks who don't know, Mike Liddell has come under some, some fire recently, the, the founder of MyPillow, because he donated a million dollars to a pro-life movie. And so, of course, now all the people are, you know, because businesses aren't supposed to do things for, you know, religious, conservative religious causes. And so he's come under some heat for that. But uh, just makes me like the pillow even more. <laughs> oh, I'm so, sorry, I'm talking about something. He came in the heat for what? He, gave, he donated a million dollars to a pro-life uh, movie. That's and these liberal wacko morons, they're the hypocrite lying sacks of crap. You know what? You're only allowed to donate to what they want you to donate. They want freedom only for them. The lying sacks of crap, they're L socks. <laughs> Gosh, they have, you know, they just L socks left. Just the liberal hip, leftist hypocrisy is just, oh, it just makes me mad. They're so, they're just pieces of crap. <laughs> oh, but oh. the pillow's good. The pillow's good. <laughs> pillow's good. I have a lot more respect oh. for their founder, Mike Liddell. But if you if you want to check out the pillows, you can call 1-800-944-5396. That's 1-800-944-5396. Let them know you heard about them on Apologetics Live. Mm -hmm. Um. Someone, someone in the chat is talking about their my pillow. Um, they're saying the my pillow guy is awesome. So I, I encourage you to check them out, not just because they are sponsors here, but well, they're sponsors here because well, we love my pillow. Um, yeah, I do. All right, so yeah. I just brought I brought uh, Philip Graham. He brought you in. If you want to unmute yourself, or I may have to. Let me just double check. Yeah, I got to bring you up. Hold up. There we go. You can you could be able to unmute yourself now. He's but he said in the chat he says tolerance is only for uh tolerance only for what they believe should be tolerated. Yeah. Yeah, hypocrites. Okay, he said he doesn't have a mic, he's just listening. All right. Well, then we're not going to hear his question, but you can if you if you want Philip, if you want to type your question in, um you can do that and we can we can answer that. Um, and what I will do is go to our Apologetics Live Facebook group and see what questions we have in there for you. Um, you know, there, there was a, a question that sort of came up on a, a recent article that you wrote, actually, Matt. And I want to get into the the article itself and the, the you know, the, the personal okay. nature. But let, there is an argument that some, we we're just talking Calvinism, there's an argument that some non-Calvinists make against Calvinists uh, when it comes to uh, family members, children specifically, that don't believe the faith, having been raised in, in a godly home, having been raised in the church, been raised in, you know, even being taught Calvinism, and yet they, they know the truth and walk away from it. Uh, some try to make an argument that that is proof that Calvinism, Calvinism is not true because the children aren't believing. Um, I have I have my views on that, but I do I do want to bring that up and ask you: Is that do you think? Well, I know you're not going to say it, think it's a legitimate argument against Calvinism, but when they try to do that, what do you think they're trying to say is wrong with Calvinism that the children of of a Calvinist wouldn't believe? 
Well, actually, what they're saying is Calvinism is true when they raise that argument. They just don't understand what they're saying. Say, you know, uh, in Calvinism, God is the one who sovereignly saves people. It doesn't matter how they're raised. He can uh, save someone who's raised in a good home or a bad home. It's his sovereign choice. So for them to say that if you're raised as a Calvinist, see, it didn't work, means they don't understand what they're criticizing. They're actually saying, oh, so God has not sovereignly chosen that person. Right. That's Calvinism. Okay. But for them to say, well, see, it didn't work, means that they're arguing Arminianism and calling it Ar Calvinism. They are clueless. Yeah, I mean, and actually, I was curious how you were going to answer because that's pretty much how I usually answer. Is it's the fact that in Arminianism, they have the. I had a, I had a guy who came to my house years ago, and he he was like, he he doesn't believe didn't believe in Calvinism, uh, but his point was, what would you do if your if your children grow up and they they don't believe? I mean, wouldn't that rock your your belief in Calvinism? I said, no, actually, that would support it. Yeah, in, exactly. In Calvinism, it's God who chooses whether my children believe or not, not me. In Arminianism, it's all up to me. Then I would feel the pressure. If yeah. my children don't believe, it then the pressure's fault. on me to convince them. Yeah. And once he yeah. once he had a child, he uh, <laughs> he actually came back to me and says, "I think I understand the point you were making." And yeah, Calvinism is a much better way. <laughs> understand the children's salvation it's a, there's different reasons to believe it but yeah 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 you're right yeah i'm going to modify i released an article about my daughter rachel yeah. because this is coming up release it today and i really wrestled with how to write it and what to write but I, I may put that in there too um because i i have figured that that article is going to grow and modify uh as different people argue differently but um you know, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't recall that you ever lost a child, you know, um, physically. Uh, yeah, I lost one a little bit earlier in the development than you did. Yep. Our child okay. didn't come out of the womb. Right. And, you know, that, that's a, that's a hard thing. And um, it's a pain that never goes away. And there's a physical reality of that kind of a loss. There's also a spiritual reality to another that goes loss. And, and I had to be careful how I say what I say, because I don't want anybody to get the impression that my daughter is an evil person. She's not, she's very compliant, a very good girl. And um, if anything, I would say my Asperger's uh, was a deleterious effect, but um, there are a lot of factors that people are just not aware of. In fact, I did sit in the car today with a friend of mine and tell him, and I think I told you, uh, Andrew, and you know uh, some other other factors and stuff. But I don't remember if I have or haven't. But I talked to my friend today, and um, I said, "Here's some of the other factors," and blah blah blah. And he goes, "Oh wow, you know." And there's there's always more to it, and uh, it's unfortunate that when people try and use a, a man's daughter against him, I mean, come on. And these are Christians who are doing this. You'd think that they'd be smarter than that. Well, 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 let's hold up there. They're professing Christians. They're professing Christians. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Once we had, um, I don't know if you were there present when a particular incident happened, when I lost my cool. Yes. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's why I said, I don't know if we want to get into personal nature. That's no, no, okay. It doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm all ready for it now. But uh, there's one thing that happened, and it was very 
it was a very low blow. It was a very cruel um, thing in an atheist room. And even the atheists jumped on this atheist about it. Yeah. So, you know, there are people who have decency, but whenever those who claim to be Christ who are against Calvinism will use a man's daughter against them. I mean, it's like, guys, grow up, you know, you're just siding with the unbelievers when you use that kind of a tactic. So whatever. Yeah. And I, th I think that what you end up seeing is that you see folks who uh, really would... <laughs> They, they have such a, a a dislike for a, and this could be for any position, you know, it could be on Calvinism or anything else where you see people that are so blinded by a view they hold, they can't reasonably think through the way other no. people would view things. No. Uh, my wife and I were, were talking about this last night, actually, because we had a guy, uh, we had a guy that, um, that's been coming to a Bible, our Bible study and I've been teaching and I know the church he goes to, it's, it's a word of faith church. So I, I'm, I'm getting a, a good idea of his background. You know, I want to be, this is someone, this isn't someone I'm going to deal with like in here where it's one time I may speak to them. Right. This is someone who's coming to the Bible study week after week. He's been coming for months. And so slowly talking to him, Yeah. but he ends up, he can't even see that what he's doing is reading his, his word of faith background into the text of scripture. Oh yeah. And my wife and I driving home, we're talking about that, that this is, it's common. You've seen this plenty of times on a radio show, on the streets, different places where people have a position and you've dealt with it. Even here in these, in these shows, People come in and make an argument, and they're not arguing against what you're saying. They're arguing against what you think, what, what they think you mean, because that's what, they're, what they expect the argument to be. And they're not even listening. And I think that's what a lot of those arguments are. That I, don't, I, yeah. I think people try to use the children. They haven't even thought it through that, well, to say that my child doesn't believe means Calvinism's wrong. You just explained Calvinism that God chooses, not me. Right. Yep. With you. And, you know, a variation of this kind of a thing is that a lot of times I'll say, um, I'll ask them if they're praying like a Calvinist. Uh, you know, you're praying to ask God to change their hearts. Because that's what a Calvinist would pray. But uh, the Arminians would pray that uh, their sovereign free will would be is supreme. They can't pray that God would change their hearts. They can't do that. Mm. They have to pray that, um, that, that, the people would, in their own wisdom, be able to believe in God. But then, why would you pray for that since you're not praying to the person? you got to pray to God. So how would an Armenian pray? God, could you please, uh, let's see, can't change their heart, because that would violate their free will, they would think. Uh, let's see, can't uh, influence them. Maybe you can influence them. Yeah, God, influence them so that they would believe. But then, doesn't God know how much influence to give to somebody to make them believe? Mm -hmm. You know? Open the clouds up. Ah, I believe. Okay. Um, it'd be like that. I mean, so the Arminians, they don't think these things through. They don't think them through. And it's unfortunate. And, you know, but I want to take a, I want to say something here. You see, the only time I've talked derogatorily about Arminian theology is in context like this. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a call on the radio show today where they brought up Leighton Flowers. And Leighton and I had a discussion, and uh, I don't think he did as well as he could have, because I don't think um, 
his theology allows him to. He's basically an Arminian. He says, says he's not, but basically he was anti-Calvinist. And uh, we brought up the issue of what Leighton is doing. And what he's doing is he is uh, making himself known as an anti-Calvinist, trying to refute Calvinism. And he's causing division in the body of Christ. Uh, he shouldn't be doing that. And I said, I don't go around attacking Arminianism. I don't go around saying, here's the videos against Arminianism. I don't do that. The only time I will speak against Arminianism is in a context like this, where we're doing a comparative whatever, but it's not my ministry, it's not my job, it's not my purpose. I still believe Arminians are saved, and I don't have any desire to separate from them. But uh, I just don't think Arminians think these things through seriously enough. And that's what I mean, uh, but it doesn't mean they're not saved. So, you know, there's a, I want people to understand, you know, yes, I did talk smack about Arminianism in that context, but I'm not going out of my way challenging people to debate to attack Arminianism. What I do is I challenge people to, in debates to defend Calvinism. That's what I do, not to attack Arminianism, but to defend what I believe is biblical theology. Well, and I think the, the thing is, I mean, you're bringing up Leighton only because of the fact that there, a caller brought him up. But yeah. One of the things you and I try to do, and, and we're not going to be perfect at, but one of the things you and I have, have tried to do throughout our ministry is to n address issues, address doctrines, teaching, not individual people. Now, there are times where individual people, I mean, that have to be addressed when you have a Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, and, and guys like yeah, that. They're heretics. Yeah, they're not in the faith. We wouldn't call them brothers in Christ. No. Um. But when you have when you have people that, you know, I, I was uh, teaching last night out of Philippians 317. Uh, one of the things that struck me is when you look at that passage where Paul is saying he, he's just about to call out. He had previously called out some some Judaizers or, or what seemed to be Judaizers. Uh, he's going to use some pretty harsh words in Philippians 31819. And he's, he's saying to the Philippians, I warned you with tears. And I think this is the thing when you, I see these people who make a ministry about uh, addressing other ministries or other people, and they, they are almost prideful in their, in their um, exposing of false teachers. You know, I think people should be more like Justin Peters the way he does. It. I mean, yeah, he exposes these guys, but he does it the way Paul says with tears. I mean, he's he is broken over the fact that these guys are teaching what they're teaching. I know you because because I've, I've been with you enough. right? I know you have that where you don't like having to expose false teachers. It, it's something we have to do. Like to do it. It's, it's something we have to do, though. Right. Right. Yeah, it's... I mean, I just yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. I've told people that, and I'm glad you 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 know brought that up because I don't like tackling Beth Moore and saying stuff I'd say about Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland. I don't want to. I mean, who in the heck am I? You know, or or you? You know, you'll do it too. But who are we to stand and say, hey, these guys are false teachers? Uh, when so many thousands upon thousands believe in them, well, we just say it. Yeah, it's just tough. It is, and it's it's something that has to get done because they're deceiving many people. I mean, I think I think if when when we looked, I believe Joel Olstein has the largest Twitter following 
within the realm of religion and spirituality. And, and what he's teaching is false, but people are following him. And yes, there is a need to warn against false teaching. Now, mm-hmm. Matt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to define, or you know, you you would agree that there's differences in levels of teaching, right? So there's things that are damnable heresy. There's things that are heresy. Oh. There's things that are false. I know you have your your theological grid on karm.org. And so let's go through, you know, like at what levels do you do what? So at what level do you call someone out by name? At what level is it? Hey, look, we disagree. Like you're late in flowers. You can sit down with him. We we can sit down. You and I have sat down, had a meal with him. Not a problem. We can discuss our differences. Um, We can even discuss things that we agree on. Sometimes he usually likes to focus on our differences, but, but no, I mean, we, we can do that. But there's others we wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, you and I can't sit down with Kenneth Copeland and, and have a meal. At least I can't. Not without, like, seriously calling him to repent. So uh, what would you think are the proper levels for people, especially people online? Like, where do we draw the lines with, with people on how far we go in calling them out? When is too far? Well, I think it's a very good question. Um, see, these guys would affirm the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the physical resurrection, justification by grace through faith, the virgin birth. These guys would all, all do that. Um, however, they touch on the issue of uh, the ato- nature the, and extent of the atonement. Um, for example, they will say that the atonement was not finished on the cross, but finished in hell. Now, that's when you got to um, get the sword out and get in, into the position for fighting. Um, they will talk about the nature of man. And even though I haven't found anything, well, there's a yes and a no to this in the doctrine grid I've developed, um, the essential doctrines. Monotheism is an essential doctrine. I have no other God before him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, The deification of man, or as as Eastern Orthodoxy likes to call it, theosis. Uh, And then in paragraph 460 of the Catholic Catechism, there's that too. So um, what I'm thinking is that... uh, that also the the elevation of man needs to be absolutely re, uh, rejected and attacked thoroughly because it's the elevation of man in the garden of Adam and Eve, which causes all kinds of other problems. And the elevation of man is, is deification. You, you, you shall be like God knowing good and evil. And I think that these are the kinds of things that are also worth dying on, on the hill for. And so um, we need to, be very, very uh, aggressive against this, the, the slime bags who are standing up in the name of Christ and teaching doctrines that are con- contrary to the word of God, like Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth uh, Joyce Meyer. Now, they teach many, many, many great things. They do. But they also teach profound heresies in the issues of the essentials, the nature and extent of God's deity, because they're starting to say that we're being deified, and then the nature and extent of the atonement, because they're saying he finished the atonement in hell. The rest of it is just flaming heresy that doesn't isn't damnable. You know, they can say things like God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Well, let's talk about it, let's have a debate on it. But it, you know, if they believe that, it doesn't mean they're not Christians. But when you start saying we can become divine like God. Ah, now you're getting into the issue of an essential. And when you start saying that the atonement wasn't finished till Jesus died on the cross, uh, then you're, I mean, tell you, was it went to hell? Then you're also uh, messing with an essential. And so that's when you got to get the gloves out and start doing some uh, either Krav Maga, which is really good, spiritual Krav Maga, 
or some uh, Jeet Kune Do. And I want to start taking Jeet Kune Do if I can. I'm going to see about that. But uh, some Bruce Lee, do some Bruce Lee on him. Well, Bruce, Bruce did uh, Wing Chun. Wing Chun, but he developed his own uh, Jeet Kune Do. And apparently, there's a guy here in Boise, Idaho, who uh, studied under. Uh, this a pupil of, of Bruce Lee directly, so it's okay. pretty close. So I don't know, whatever. He probably kicked my rear. Hey, how are you? It's pretty match like done. <laughs> All right, so let me, you know, Luke Wayne, one of the guys who writes for Carm, uh, had done an article and and Charlie had posted it on how to identify a false teacher. I recently did a podcast on the rap report on my dailies, uh, as I've been studying, I'm preaching uh, through the book of Job, and it, it Job provides for you the first half of job how to identify a false teacher matt how can people spot a false teacher what are some some warning signs oh just go to karm.org and believe whatever karm.org says except where you're wrong like on except for where i'm wrong you know but it's not happened yet you're you know covenant theology and covenant theology covenant theology we know is biblical because god works theologically and covenantally that's dispensationalism. Very good. Yeah, that's right. That's what they call it. Covenant theology. So, uh, that, no, that's you, a fallacy of equivocation. The word covenant in, in covenant theology is not used the same way as a covenant. But, dispensationalism. That's right. Because we, we own the Bible. You guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> he tries so hard. Uh, go, so, so what were we talking about before we started? In the I yeah, want to identify, like, what are some warning signs for folks to look for how, how to spot a, a false teacher. What are some things? Oh, you have to know the truth first. You have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you can't uh, spot a, a, a false teacher. So the first thing is learn your doctrine, learn your doctrine, learn. Mm. I mean, not just a little bit. Oh, there's one God. I got it. No, <laughs> you got to really learn. And this is what I want to talk about earlier. It's, is uh, this relates to this. Um, and I've been talking about it more and more because it's on my heart more and more. And this is Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some as apostles. I'm going to do a little bit of Greek here on you. He did, gave some as the apostles in Greek and some as the prophets in Greek and some as the evangelists in Greek and some as the pastors and teachers. That's how it reads in the Greek. So the word the is for pastors and teachers. So it looks like pastors and teachers are the same office. But nevertheless, um, some as the pastors and teachers. But at any rate, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the body, of the service of the bo- building of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That has been echoing in my mind over and over and over again. And it's this for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building of the body of Christ. That verse, Ephesians 4.12. And I was talking to my wife about it last night. And what she'll let me do sometimes is just kind of vent, just say things that not necessarily got it all worked out, not necessarily thinking through everything, don't have all the answers. And she made a good point about something, but my, my good response to what I was saying, I said, I said, I'm concerned because I know the power of the word of God. I know that the gates of hell will not prevail against a church. And because America, because Australia, because England, because whatever country where the Christian pastors are there, uh, where there's a good enough presence. I mean, if you've got three pastors in a country of 10 million, what are you going to do? But I mean, for the overall, particularly here in America, which came out of, out of a heavily Christian-influenced uh, history and culture, and it still is, um, 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service, the building up of the body of Christ. If, is it true that if the pastors were doing that, what, does it make sense then that we would be gaining disciples and we'd be gaining ground, not losing ground? Now, I certainly understand that, like, for example, North Korea, if you walk around with a Bible, they, they execute you, basically. I mean, I, there, I understand there's differences of situations and, and things like that. So I'm not knocking uh, or complaining about situations where it's just impossible. I understand that there are things like that, because even in the New Testament times, people fled from persecution. But uh, for the equipping of the saints in America, where we have the freedom to be able to put a bumper sticker on our car about Jesus, to carry a Bible into a grocery store and not be arrested for it, we still have that freedom. Uh, why is it that the pastors aren't apparently doing the equipping of the saints for the work of the service or the building up of the body of Christ? Because if they were, should, doesn't it doesn't it make sense to say that? Well, then we'd be making progress in America, but we're not. We're losing ground. Well, I'm not saying it's simply the pastor's fault for not doing their job. There's certainly a, a very powerful onslaught of secularism on the rise. But even against that, I have the confidence to believe that Christians can beat that. I have the, the, the confidence to know, to believe that what Jesus can do through the church is immense. I mean, look at one guy did 501 years ago, one guy with a, nam, a hammer and a nail and a list of some stuff. One guy. Boom. Reformation. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I just can't. I'm, I'm really frustrated. My wife, I was talking to her about this. She said, well, you know, there are a lot of people, the, the, the Christians, she said, maybe the Christians don't want to be equipped for the work of service. Oh, you're right. Man, think about that. Maybe they don't want to be equipped for the work of service. Maybe that's not what they want. Maybe what they want is, is you know, me, me, feed me. Maybe that's what they want. And, um, you know, I want to start a church. Half of me wants to start a church when I get to Arizona. I don't know if God wants it. It's just on my heart, a frustration speaking. But I want to, you know, I'd love to be able to start a church, right? Get a radio show down there. Hey, on this day, we're going to start a church. And people are there. Say 100 people show up, whatever, and say, okay, I got, I got, some, I got some good news. I got some bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the word of God. I'd, hope, I'd hold up a Bible. This is what it is. Oh, praise God. Give it good news. Here's the bad news. My job as a pastor is to equip you for this, you as a saint for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, what I want you to do before I explain what that means is I want you to look behind you. Look at the exit signs. Everybody see the exit signs? Everybody looking? Okay, good. Now, now look back at me and I'm going to say, look, feel free to leave out those exits any time during my next message here. Don't, I don't have any problem with that. Because what I want to do is speak to the elect of God, not to the unbelievers. I want to address the saints of God who want to be trained for the work of service. And if you don't want to be trained for the work of service, this is not the place for you. And I want to tell them, get your Bibles and you open them up. When you come into church, you bring your Bible. You either bring it in your hand or you bring it in your phone. I don't care, but you bring your Bibles. We're going to go through the scriptures, and I'm going to have you look at the Word of God. And my job is to equip you for the work of service, not to babysit you, 
not to give you diapers, not to say, Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life and you're supposed to be healthy and wealthy. Give me $100 and you'll get $10,000. i am not going to lie to him like that. I would tell him things like, God wants you to pick up that cross and follow after him and it may cost you your life. It may cost you your job. This is the history of Christianity. These people are being murdered for their faith all over the world. And I want you to be equipped to die for him, if need be, by his grace, if he so deems it in his sovereign grace as he ordains that. Because in Philippians 1.29, it's been granted to you not only to suffer, but also to believe. The suffering for his faith, for him is even granted. This is how I would speak to the congregation. And I'd say, I don't know how many are going to show up next week for more of the same. But that's what's going to happen next week. Well, Cat says she'll drive to Arizona just for that church. <laughs> just so you got your first member. Oh yeah, absolutely. How far do you live from Arizona? Um, we're just across the border in New Mexico, so it's about a three-hour drive to get into like Tucson area. Okay. Well, I'm in Idaho, so I don't know what's going to happen. We're supposed to sell the house in March, but I've been looking at how houses are selling. It takes two to four months, and so that's the average. So we might not get down down into uh, Fountain Hills area uh, for two or three months after you know that, and then stay there for two or three, four months while we're looking for another house. So we may not be set, situated until the end of the next year. But well, I, it's all God's timing, right? All God's timing, yeah. But, you know, I want to talk to you guys about this. See, this is, you know, I'm so frustrated. You know, I know what we can do as Christians. I know what we can do as Christians. I have such confidence in the proclamation of the gospel. I have such confidence in the, the, the futility of atheism, the futility of abortion, the futility of homosexuality, the futility of the far left and their moronic ways of thinking. I have such confidence that Christ is so much more powerful than that, that all we've got to do is start living for him and driving our hearts for him and praying and seeking his will, and he will raise up people far more capable than I am, far more capable than Andrew is, people who are anointed of God to do things that God has ordained for them to do. I, I, I don't understand why the Christian church isn't begging God for this. Instead of going there, you know, getting comfortable and hearing the, the really nice message and putting in their check, which is fine and stuff, and then going out to, to lunch, and that's their Christian life. And I'm not saying all Christians are like that. But I, I just I don't understand how you, how you can't be just living for him. And I've had this issue for years and years and years. You know, one time my wife and I, we, we were in bed talking about CARM. And uh, this is back in, this is like 20 years ago. And CARM's 23 years old. And uh, we were in bed. And, and I, this was shortly after I'd realized that, um, that, uh, that, that um, <clears throat> I could maybe I'm thinking three things here that that we could I could actually go full time in CARM as a potential of doing this because I started the website not to do anything with it but just to prevent me from having to do more work by answering the same thing over and over from emails. Ah, I put it up on a website and then after a couple three years I was like, wait a minute, this is becoming something. Maybe I could do this full time. And so I was wondering about this and I was putting the word out. Hey, we need donations. Maybe we could do this. I've given you information for free. I've got a master's degree in theology and divinity. I've been studying this stuff. I've been I've done the, the footwork. You know, I've, I've got I just read, study and, and test all this stuff out. Chat rooms, all this stuff and then break it down. And here it is. Would anybody want to support the furthering of this kind of, of thing? And we're getting so little uh, support. 
and I would try real hard, real hard. I go talk to at churches and see if I could get support there. I would ask people to, you know, to 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 help out, and it was roadblock after roadblock. And we're sitting there in bed one night. And I'm I'm bitching about this to my wife. I still remember this, and I was so frustrated. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done trying to. It wasn't trying to serve God. I'm done trying to deal with his people, which is stupid for me to say. You know, it's just idiocy. And I think I said something like that. Maybe I didn't. I'm just, but I'm so frustrated with people and, and the church. I, you know, it, it's Christianity's hard. It would, I was whining. I said, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to get a secular job and just get a secular or something. Maybe become a lawyer. Maybe become a doctor. Maybe become something. And my wife just said, you can't. I said, why not? She goes, because you got it bad. I never forgot that. I, I remember getting angry at her. No, you don't, you don't listen to me. Right. I'm serious. She was right. <laughs> she was right. And she just kept saying, well, honey, I hear you, but you can never stop. This is after a half hour of me venting. She goes, you can never stop. And I go, yeah, you're right. I can never stop. I'll never be able to stop. And how come Christians aren't more like that. And when I say that, I'm really cautious because I don't want to be like me. I'm not the measure of anything. You know, I, I'm, I'm not. But I don't understand how Christians can't be more um, than what I sense or see out there. And I'm really cautious to say all this because I don't know how people are. I don't know what their lives are and their frustrations and failures and risks. But as a whole, I just think we can do more. Well, I, I, think, I really do. I think we can. I think that what you see is, look, read through the Old Testament, and you see Israel constantly wanting to be like the nations around them. They yeah. were here. They are a special nation chosen by God. They have his presence marching them through 40 years in the wilderness. They have all this that they could look to, and yet they want to be like the nations around them. The Christians do the same thing. We're seeing the same thing where Christians want to be have the acceptance of the world. They want to fit in with the world. Even though they have the truth, they'd rather kind of fit in with the falsehood and, and compromise, and it's a constant thing. So I think that's part of it. I think another part of it, Matt, that we have more in recent days is we have, we, we, we've, we've developed this mindset of like a celebrity Christianity. I know you hate this, but <clears throat> there are people who look up to you <clears throat> and you're always like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm just a guy, but there has become this idea that there's like, that some people like, Oh, Matt slick can do this, but I couldn't, you know, going back to what I was teaching yesterday in Philippians three seventeen. here, Paul says, to imitate others or imitate me as, as I follow after Christ. And he, Paul's not saying he's some great person that he's doing something that you should be following after him that no one else can do. No, he, he's saying, look, if he could do this, someone who used to murder Christians can now be following after Christ the way he is, then you can do this too. It wasn't because of his education. And the thing I'm, I tried to, you know, communicate to my class was the fact that I, I don't care who you are, where you are in your walk, every one of us has somebody who we can disciple. Uh, if you're a believer, there's someone you can, you, there's someone who knows less than you about scripture. Yeah, yeah. Unbeliever, 
They don't know anything. They don't know God. Well, now you <laughs> share the gospel. Then Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20. You go, you make disciples, you baptize. And then the next thing people forget about is teaching them all things I've taught you. So if you're as a believer, you have somebody you can you can disciple. Because as a believer, you can disciple the unbeliever with the gospel. And then when they believe, you teach them everything you've learned. We should always be looking to have a relationship with people who know more than us in an, in their walk and people who we can be a, a, an example to. So we should always have those two relationships. And I, I think that's really been lacking. We've moved to a model where the pastor does everything and everyone looks to the pastor and he's the one that, that can do everything. And well, I'm just a church member. No, you're not. You're, you're a child of God who has been given specific gifts by the Holy Spirit when you got saved so that you can serve in a way that no one else in your church can do. And we think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not able to do this. Yes, you are. If you're a believer in Christ, yes, you are. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, Matt, if I've ever shared this with you, but you know, this is kind of, you, you'll understand this part of it. When, when, you know, when you go to seminary and you, you kind of walk in thinking, you know, a lot, you know, you walk out of seminary having a lot of questions, realizing how little you really yeah. knew. <laughs> I started off in seminary and I, I, I just typical seminarian thinking I had all the answers. And I, we had a woman in the church, I was out of work and I, and I said to this one woman, she had a, a child with cerebral palsy. Uh, her daughter was only a year or two younger than me but will never be past the mind of a six-year-old. She can never walk. She can never write. She can never read. Um, Her mother had great difficulty. I mean, her mother was a full-time caregiver to her. And, you know, even going grocery shopping was, was, was hard. I mean, she had to push her daughter's wheelchair while pushing the cart. You know, it just, it wasn't easy. And, you know, she was 23 at the time. I think I was 25, 26. And, and I just said to the mother, I said, listen, how about, I, I'm just going to come over, read scripture to your daughter so you can get a break, like take an hour, ha- have an hour break. And here I am, I'm thinking like, I'm going to be the, the big guy. I'm going to be teaching her. I'll read scripture. I'll teach her some scripture. This girl taught me more about what it means to live by faith than anybody that I ever met. Here's a, a girl with cerebral palsy who, who lived every moment completely dependent on Christ. I mean, I'd walk in thinking I'm going to teach her something and walk out every week going, man, did I learn a lesson? I mean, here I'm out of work. I, I didn't know how I was paying bills. Uh, there, there's a point where some know that I, I was homeless and, and she's sitting there and just being like, well, this is what you do. This is what you do. Like it was no question with her. She knew how to live by faith. And I, I learned way more than I ever taught her. Um, I, I remember her, she, she had a, a cousin who was a famous uh, football player. He came into a, um, you know, to a reunion and I just watched her talk to him in a way that nobody probably ever talked to him before. And he ended up just, I just remember him, you know, he had two girls on either side, you know, uh, you know, fur coat, you know, just, you could clearly tell he was, he thought he was somebody. And she just looks at him and just, you know, and I'm drawing a blank on his name now, but, um, you know, uh, Dion is his first name, but she goes, cousin Dion, when are you going to repent 
of your sinful lifestyle and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I watched this guy take his arms from the girls, get down on his knees, almost apologetic and be like, cousin Felicia, I'm really living wrong. I know that I, I should change. Now I've heard that he became a believer. I think it's because of the faith of a girl that will never have a mind past a six-year-old, but she had so much she could teach people. Yeah. If you think, oh, I have this handicap, I have this thing. You know, Matt has autism. He has Asperger's. It causes a lot of difficulties in him being able to communicate to people, to, to socially work with people. Yet God has used him in other ways, ways that many of us would not be able to do things. Because he didn't let his handicap get in the way of... of what God wanted to do with him. Someone in, in chat is saying Deion Sanders. I think that was his name. Um, and so that's the, my encouragement to folks is do not let yourself be talked out of serving God because you don't think you're a Matt Slick. You're, you're not someone you're not. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. I mean, really God has gifted you in a way that Matt and I would never be gifted. And he gifted you to serve the way he wants you to serve him and reach people that only you can reach. Matt and I won't be able to reach the people that you can reach because God gifted you to reach them. And we should be using those gifts in the body of Christ. Now I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> so what kind of people has he gifted you to reach? Because I would think knowing you and your gifts, um, it would be uh, people who um, obviously aren't that bright. <laughs> you know, this is coming. <laughs> So, in other words, you. Okay, go on. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually, you know, actually, uh, we like to rip each other, but um, you, you you do have some good stuff. You know, I should take this opportunity to lift you up a little bit because you have a generous heart and you're a giving guy and you want to serve God. And, you know, it, but you're right. You know, it's just God can use anybody. And he, <laughs> he can use anybody. Just just be, be used. Wait, yeah, just, did Matt almost like say that he's, he's willing to accept that um... – you know, I, I buy him meals and he's, he's, yeah, there. you buy me meals. You outsmarts me. Jerk. Is somebody I, you know, recording this so we can document that? For actually, later? not only that, but you know what is recorded? <laughs> listen, let's listen to, I think this was Brian from the council said this. Was Andrew the one that helped you get uh, the podcast back up? Yeah, he did get the podcast. He didn't help me. He did it. Oh, yeah. You think you owe him a dinner for that? <laughs> 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 that was that was me. <laughs> that was right. That's why you got to listen to the council. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, Matt. I think there's also another reason, uh, and this is just my opinion. Things I've seen is that what I know you go out into the world on the streets and you put into action your faith. I don't know what anybody else has done in their history. I'm not going to assume. I've done street witnessing. Um, and um, going to abortion clinics and trying to share positive news and truth there, it's not easy. It can be downright scary yeah, to yeah. go out there and confront truth, even if you're calm and you're collective. And when you're doing that, Satan absolutely rises up, I believe, to cause that conflict to go, oh, oh, no, 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 this is a little too much. I can't do this. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, have settled into, I need to go to church on Sundays and maybe additional days to work on my relationship with God. And that's great. But churches have, a lot of people have sort of 
stayed in church and that's where we go and that's where we belong and gotten used to helping within the church. But there are so many other people. It's harder to get into the grungy areas. It's harder to go and talk to prostitutes, you know, drug addicts, whomever it might be, or the guy at work, especially in these days where everybody's going to get mad at you. You know, you're going to get fired. Um, The tolerance, like we mentioned earlier, is no, 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 this over here is okay. And we need to tolerate that. And you have to accept it. But Christianity, no, no. So I think there's an overall social fear too. But like you guys are saying, I I definitely believe 110%. God has given us uh, different strengths and different gifts to go out there and to speak about him and to share his word in the way he equipped you for. And sometimes it's just going out like when street witnessing, I wasn't gifted then, you know, with talk like I am now. (laughs) And I don't know that's a good thing, but, um, praying while people are, are actually street, street ministering and just going to place it. You know, if you're passing by an abortion clinic, pray while you're there, get out of the car even and make a visible showing, just pray and get back into your car. Making that extra step I think is huge. I have been past witchcraft shops, uh, you know, cult sort of shops because I've had a background in that. None of that phases me. And I'll walk right in and you better believe I'm starting to pray. (laughs) I'll, you know, think of something little to purchase, you know, some little pretty thing that doesn't mean anything. And tell the woman at the, you know, cashier, thank you and God bless you. Have a good day and walk out. And you're not causing a problem, but it's planting little seeds. And I'm sorry. I'm just going long winded there. But um, yeah, no, I think people should definitely be more active. You know, when I go out on the streets, and, and Matt knows I, I do a lot of street ministry, um, I love the guys that that most people would be scared of. I, I, a guy in a business yes. suit, don't want to talk to him. Best conversations come with guys, you know, guys with long hair, tattoos, definitely going to them because mm-hmm. you get the best conversations. They, they're open to talk. The guy in a suit, yeah, forget it. <laughs> yeah, nice absolutely. Walk ministry, prison ministry. I dress up like a punker. I pierce my left ear um, to go to the beach. With, I still want to I, see I, a picture of you like that. I'm just saying. You know, there's, there's, I don't know if there are any. I hope there aren't any. There's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Charlie, but, uh, I'm sure you could dig some up. Grab the wifey again. We need to have yeah. a word with Yeah, let, let's well, let's okay. I can tell you a little story. My, a few years ago, when my daughters were young, okay, so the, my wife's going through some old pictures of us all. And there's a picture of me back in the day, you know, moving and grooving kind of guy. And she, my, my da- youngest daughter, she, not my middle daughter, she looks at the picture. She must have been six, five, four, five, six. I don't know. She goes, who's this? And my wife said, that's your dad. And no lie. <laughs> she looks and she looks and she goes, for real. She goes, and you married him? <laughs> See, I always knew she had wisdom. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, shoot over. I don't know if uh, Cody came in, John came in, uh, and then um, Seeking the Narrow Way came in. Uh, so I'm I, trying to I'll, get Sach Vina to come in. He wants me to debate the Catholics. I'll go, come on in right now. But uh, <laughs> he's always got excuses. He's always got excuses. He's challenged me to go, debate Catholic. Okay, come in. I can't. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they're, called, they're called keyboard words, but uh, you know, John, Cody, uh, seeking the narrow way. I, I, if you guys have anything, you can unmute yourself. Um, yeah, I was going to mention uh, what you were talking about earlier, Matt. Um, 
in regards to why Christians aren't going out and doing stuff. And just like you just said, Andrew, the guys in the business suit, we, we are more distracted than ever in any time in history, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and, and comfort is the enemy of dependence upon God. Absolutely. And so uh, a faith that costs you nothing is worth nothing. And yeah. so you've got um, people that are, that are comfortable and that they don't go out and do these things. But I just heard an interview with a guy today. You can look him up. I'll, I can give you his name if you want. But um, he's a Muslim or he was a Muslim. He came here from Iran as a refugee. He became a Christian and he left. Actually, he went through Turkey. And um, anyways, long story short, he came here. He was he was in Minnesota recently with a pastor friend speaking at a church. Well, the pastor's like, hey, let's go to the mall. Uh, I want to show you the great mall. And he's like, OK. So they go to the mall and they saw uh, probably I think it was uh, a few Somali uh, Muslims and they got to talking with him and stuff. He's like, Hey, you guys are from Somalia and stuff. And they got to talking just a, a minute. And he's like, yeah, they're like, are you, or, cause they saw his ethnicity. He was Iranian. And he said, they said, are you a Muslim? He's like, no, I'm a Christian. I used to be a Muslim. And they're like, really? They're like, why, why are you a Christian? So he started telling their testimony. Well, this lady that was in a hijab overheard them reported to mall security. The mall security came, um, interrupted their conversation, took this guy down to the mall jail and held him for trespassing, soliciting or whatever, held him for three hours, let him go to the bathroom once, wouldn't give him any water or anything until the end, like wouldn't let him do anything until the police got there. They treated him terribly. The guy who was sharing the faith with the, the Muslims... Yes. Uh, they asked why he became a Christian, and he was telling them. They could sue and Muslim, them. And a Muslim lady overheard it. Well, it's still in litigation. A, a Muslim lady overheard this. And because of this, this has become news. And, and overseas, uh, uh, the, the Iranian, I guess, media or whatever over there got a hold of this story, and it started persecuting his family because of it. All sorts of stuff. But anyways, this guy, it's it's... It's in litigation right now, so he's, of course, he, needs to sue them. he wasn't. <clears throat> they have the right. They have the right to be on private property. A mall is private property. And depending on which district you're in, but in District 9 of Southern California and that whole area, you have the right to be on, on public pro- property and do various things. But when a representative of that property asks you to leave, you're obligated to leave. So yeah. that's fine. So if I've done this before. One of the things that I did, I get a little story, but... but uh, uh, I researched this whole bit, and what we did was a mall in Southern California. <clears throat> I researched this, and and um, when they ask you to leave, you got to leave. So uh, here's a mall, looking down, you know, from up high, okay, looking up high like this. There's a mall, and they had parking around it, right? There's a mall. And so what we did was we got somebody here, 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 all the way around the mall with tracks, told them not to use their, bring their phones, but to only have watches, and uh, at a, an exact certain time, start passing out tracks on the car windows of the parking, of the people, cars all around the mall. And uh, if you, uh, you can get out 600 an hour at that rate. And I, I, I timed it and did some research. And so we had like 10 people. We got, uh, I think, 5,000 uh, tracks out before everybody was asked to leave. Um, because it, that's all they could do. They could say, you get to leave. Great, you left. 
but to withhold you, to stop you, because you're on private property, their obligation is, but just to ask you to leave and stop, to risk, to, uh, it's false imprisonment. They don't have the authority to do that. So I think, the, you know, this in litigation, is I'd sue that mall with it for everything I could get them out of, get out of them. Yeah, I think they're in the process of that right now, of course. You know, yeah. But, um, that, but all he was doing was sharing his testimony. He wasn't open-air preaching. He wasn't handing out tracts, anything. We kind of come, came across some guys. A Muslim lady overheard it and was offended and reported this. This guy was whatever. And so <clears throat> this is when Christian needed to support this guy, pay his, met, his, uh, his lawyer bills, and they hired another lawyer, and they sue the crap out of the mall best they can. Then they, what they do is we take the family and relocate them to another place, keep their, everything guarded so that uh, we, this is what the Christian church should be doing. Yes. What does the Christian church do? Well, that's your problem. Man, I'd be saying, really? Your family, you don't have a place to stay? Come into my home. We'll figure something out. Come into my home. We'll figure it out. You know? It. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, and a lot because of the Christians are doing anything. Yeah. But, but, you know, this is <laughs> no different than what happened in, in Nazi Germany. The Jews didn't think they thought yeah. they could get along. And by the time they realized you're not going to get along with people that want to kill you, <laughs> it was too late because by then they were already too divided and too, you know, those that were willing to stand for the faith were already put away. And they, they, they I mean, a lot of people are afraid. They, they, a lot of Christians can see that persecution is coming and know the ones that they're going to come for first are those that are outspoken. Yep. And so, yeah, they, they don't want to be the outspoken one. Um, you get to see Jesus faster. Yeah. There's a plus. You know, in the Korean war, there were had prisoners and it was the only war where American prisoners never escaped. The only prison situation. And somebody did some research to find out why. And the North Koreans did something that was brilliant. Uh, all they did was watch the POWs get together to supervise. They just watched them. And then they would notice who became leaders. And they would just take the leaders and move them to another area and sequester them. And pretty soon, no leaders rose up, and that was it. And they didn't have to do anything because there was no organization to uh, resist. So the left knows don't give leaders in Christianity any airtime because it validates them. So what the left is guilty of is um, misrepresentation by silence, and it's equivalent to lying because what they're going to do is not present all the facts by omitting certain things. And so they do this. The Christians have got to be very, very boisterous. We've got to stand up. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I think what Christians should do, one of the things they should do, get somebody who knows stuff, somebody who's rich, somebody who's got uh, national recognition, somebody like that. Not me. I don't have any, I don't, you know, but, and uh, get a, a movement going where the result is that on, like, uh, say, September 1st, whatever, of whatever particular year, uh, have it all be set up that everybody with the letter A, last name starts with the letter A, on the first day of that uh, month goes out to their state capital with the signs and all day for eight hours, they're out there uh, doing this and holding signs. We want our country back. We want our constitution back or Christians have rights to, or whatever it is. And then the, the next day, whoever has last name that starts with a B goes out there and does the same thing. And they don't abstract traffic or do anything, but they, they just do this all the time. And I think if, if everybody did this all over the country, 
all at the same time for roughly three weeks because you know you got xyz names or not too many and things like that but you could work it out so that it could be stretched over basically uh you know a four-week period to cover a whole month what, what's the left going to do ignore well maybe they would just do it again and again and become a little bit more aggressive at, at times and we need a national organization to do this because what we would need is uh people sign up to get signs and they sign up and they pay five dollars a month or whatever it is or twenty dollars for a membership and that money is used for lawsuits to either defend or to sue people because you know that the christians are going to be attacked because they have the right to sue people and i would say sue them take them to court and um if they if they do something wrong, then they got to pay the price, but we've got lawyers who can help defend them. And so this kind of a thing, I think it'd be, be worth doing. It's just a, one idea that I think is worth a start. The Christians should be doing things like this. I don't believe in this. Let's sit idle crap. Let's just pray yeah. and do nothing. I don't believe in that. Until people's livelihoods are in jeopardy, they're not going to take the time away from their life to do that. You got that right. Well, and, and what I think you end up seeing is that what many of Christians are doing is to keep their livelihood going. They're compromising the gospel and thinking that they're going to be able to keep their livelihood. No, what it, what it just means is they'll get rid of the outspoken ones first, and then they'll come after you, just like Nazis did with the Jews. They get the outspoken ones, and then they'll go for the rest. Um, yep. <clears throat> so, That's what it is. so we ended we on a positive a fight. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> So this is a great way to end on a positive note, Matt. <laughs> but it, but it is a sobering thought for us to to realize. Um, John says there will be an after show for folks who basically what we do afterwards is the guys over at the council, um, at, and you can go find them on YouTube. Uh, John, the, the is it the council? Is that the name of the YouTube channel? I forget now. Um, I do have a channel yeah. called. Uh, <laughs> the council, but I also use um, Apo uh, Atomic Apologetics um, also, but I'll just send you the link and then... Yeah. Uh, right, well, can, I'll put yeah. the link in here, but for folks who want, they could, uh, we should get a, a regular th which one it's it's on regularly so we know where to send folks. Yeah, exactly. But if folks yeah. want to go over to an after show, what we do in the after show is a little different. Uh, the guys over at the council just open up the mics and it's a free-flowing conversation. It's not just one person at a time. I, I will be talking first, though, as far as uh, a topic, and uh, the topic is going to be about a particular site that I found that is promoting pedophilia. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, I got in trouble when I mentioned that that is what they're trying to, to uh, desensitize pedophilia, calling it minor yes. attraction. Uh, was it? Minor attraction people maps. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, some group tried to argue that by me grouping them with people that practice homosexuality or transgenders or, or anyone, the argument is by me putting, you know, the <clears throat> LG, LD, uh, LGTBQM. IAAPM. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> by including the M, they're saying that I'm claiming this is their argument. And Matt can will quickly figure a lot the logical fallacy here. But what they what they're doing is they quickly they say that me including M for maps minor attractive people pedof pedophiles uh, that I'm saying that all homosexuals are pedophiles. Now think about that. The the gay stands for men that practice homosexuality. The L stands for lesbians for for women that practice homosexuality. So 
if you follow that logic, if I'm saying that including another letter means you're saying that's true of all of them, then I guess I'm saying that all of the women are actually practicing male homosexuality because that's the gay part is. And all the men are actually practicing women sexuality because that's what the L is. And they're all practicing transgenderism and, and transsexual, you know, and changing their, uh, their, their clothes. Um, and they're, they're all questioning, right? I mean, it's, it's so illogical. Um, but they, but this goes back to something we said earlier with Matt earlier, right? They don't think through this stuff. They're, they're so blinded in what they want to attack that they don't think. So I'm sure that's going to be an interesting discussion. We'll, I'll drop that link. As soon as you get that link, drop it here. Um, so folks, we're, we're glad that you, you tuned in. We want to encourage folks to come in earlier so that we can get more Q&A going. Um, let others know so that you share this out there. We do turn this into a podcast every week. So you can go search for the podcast, Apologetics Live, and get the podcast. It's part of the Christian podcast community. It, that is a community that is going to be opening up soon. That's going to be opening up to other podcasters. So if you are a podcaster, you can join our Facebook group on the Christian Apologetics, uh, or sorry, the <laughs> Christian podcast community um, Facebook group. And we're going to be announcing there when we're opening up We'll probably be doing it in January to start taking applications. Um, so we've been doing it a little bit slow there, but this is one of the the podcasts that are on there. So encourage you guys to check those out. Go to karm.org, check out the articles that are coming out there. You can listen to Matt five days a week on his five days for an hour. Like, like that's probably too much, but I don't think it's enough. You should all listen to everything I have to say. And, um, can we ask your wife if she agrees with that statement? You know what? She actually, believe it or not, after 32 years of marriage and me being on the radio for over for 13 years, uh, she um, she still listens to me on the radio every day. How about that? That is because she has to answer the emails. <laughs> what, what was that, Kat? That? I said, bless her heart. <laughs> I, I, and she's got to listen to you 24-7. We can tune you out. I know. It's, even, it's even worse because she actually sits right across from him all day. So it's. Yeah, I'm like, huh? And she and has I, to I, submit actually, to him? Oh, no. I know. Something's wrong with her. Dude, but I, 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 I think I her. listens, Matt, is because she has to answer the emails when they come in. That's that's oh, what yeah. she. Yeah, but, I, it's, but so few are from the radio show. There's uh, just because of the website. But I asked her, I said, why would you listen? I said, you hear me all the time. Why do you do that? She goes, I don't know. I just like listening. I learn stuff. Like, okay. <laughs> she actually likes my preaching. She said, "I'm like, oh, that's different." Okay, that's good. I, like that. I thought she was intelligent. Yeah, because no one else likes it. I yeah. mean, that's so weird. See, I'm liking cat more and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's another thing. Is I always used to when I became a baby Christian, women are supposed to be meek, right? And I'm like, that's not me. That. <laughs> that's not me. But then I realized, no, 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 <laughs> meek in a different manner, and Right. God made me exactly who I am, and that's to be too outspoken and mouthy. Ooh, hey, Jason in in chat, Matt has a great idea. I think I know what I got to get Neek for Christmas. Jason, I just, it's, I just wrote Jason. That's an awesome idea. That I is awesome. Jason said Matt's wife needs to get a Nerf gun so she could shoot at him. That yes. is awesome. Great. 
Okay. I'm going to get it one for Everybody real. needs to get, you know, okay, you have the ad, go to karm.org, you can get Donate the address. Donate to them. Do, do, Donate it. Buy her. I'm really going to get her a Nerf gun. I'm going to get her a Nerf gun. No, she needs a variety of them. <laughs> and she she have like a semi-automatic or automatic Nerf gun, okay. something. Cause Matt, just promise us that if she gets a Nerf gun for Christmas, that when we're doing this show live, we can see her firing at you <laughs> out the shop. I think it's a good oh. idea because she's she's. She's mobile, but she's kind of not. And and I'll be obnoxious to her. Say, you know, hey, honey, you can make get, make me a sandwich. And I get that look because she's just, you know, she's beat up. You know, everything she's gone through. It'd be she could take, take a nerf gun and go. <laughs> it would be great for her. <laughs> the cats would be walking out the pink. Oh man, that is awesome, Jason. That's a great idea. I, I just dropped. Um... I just dropped the link in. I don't know why it always does this Facebook link, but I'll try to clean that link up. Um, but uh, I, I just dropped the link here for, for Matt. If you want to head out, go over to the, uh, there we go. That's, that's a bit. Oh, let me clean yeah, I think it will. I'll go there for a little bit. Okay. I'm over yeah, there. Bye. So see you later. You, one, you guys later. The folks here oh, time to get into the after show and then I'll drop it into the link for YouTube. So we appreciate you coming in. We are we do this as a as an educational thing for those who want to learn apologetics. It's also an opportunity for people that have questions that you want answered. You got stumped with something. Someone asked you something you didn't know an answer. That is what we're doing this for. Uh, we're doing this we, we so that you can grow in your apologetics, so you can defend the faith where you are with the people you come in contact with. And so, if you're encouraged, think about. Uh, supporting us by sharing this. That means a lot to us. Uh, coming in and asking questions, letting others know about it. You can support us online as well. In the show notes, uh, we'll have links for uh, the Patreon page that you can go. Just go to patreon.com slash striving fraternity, and you can support this work. Uh, different ways you can support us, um, both at CARM and at Striving Fraternity. So until next Thursday, just remember to go out and strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.